And we're back. Welcome to Printer Games, the podcast about what's new and awesome in 3D printing for gamers. I'm your host, Jefferson J. Thacker, also known as Param, and I'm joined by... Kristen, also known as Seventh Mastery. And, Kristen, you have got uh, managed to arrange for a wonderful guest that I'm super hyped to have on the show. Can oh, yes. you introduce our guest? This is our, our guest, Duncan Shadow. You you probably know their the stuff from, uh, well everywhere but my mini factory patreon everywhere cool hi duncan thanks for being hi. on the show thanks for having us yeah. for anybody who doesn't know what duncan who duncan shadow is first you need to like absolutely check everywhere that makes me on his minis on them you have been in making 3d printable minis longer than almost anybody else like some of the very earliest stuff i found out there is your designs like with even when i was like before i got my resin printer even when i was just trying to get my fdm stuff worked out and i'm like seeing like oh you made weird sci-fi trucks that i can print yeah a lot of my stuff actually made for fdm to start with because i didn't have a resin printer yes long long time now Awesome. So, so you made the transition. You designed stuff for FDM, and now you're designing stuff for resin. You've seen this industry grow pretty much from the 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 get go. So, why don't we start with the easy question? Is like, hey, how did you get into 3D printing anyway? Um, originally, I used to start like paint figures, um, and I got into a job where I was uh, Magic Sculpting Studios. Uh, we used to make a lot of you know, a lot of them little Marvel sort of characters and the DC characters you get like every two weeks. You buy a magazine and get a little sort of figure with it. I was actually originally painting those, and that kind of introduced me to the sculpting side. Uh, back then, everything was made in wax and then cast into resin, and I saw this sort of transition then into 3D printing. Um, and this, I sort of moved into the toy making industry, where I saw the toy making industry had just started to shift. Um, at the time, like a 3D printer was like 50 grand. So mm -hmm. it was, even even like the, the big companies I was working for were shipping that out. They'll send the data off to elsewhere to get things 3D printed and sent in. Um, yeah, so that's basically how I sort of started then, sort of moving into the 3D printing and started sculpting. Mm -hmm. uh, so with printers being 50 grand a piece, what was the first printer you brought in for yourself? Uh, that was a Wanhao D7 Pro, I think it was. it was. How long ago was this? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, six years ago, eight years ago, something like that. Well, that's, that's geriatric in 3D printing talk. In this industry, for sure. That's, that's, uh, that's always back. We're yes. old timers, and we're just talking two years old. <laughs> I mean, the original printer, you need to just hook it up with a, um, a laptop. It had mm -hmm. like it was no, there was no USB sort of port in it. You had to buy a separate <laughs> sort of box which had a little Raspberry Pi in it to put the memory stick in it to do it that way. So um, yeah, that was fun. <laughs> and looking back, it was such a terrible printer. <laughs> oh my gosh! You've we have one of our it. regulars uh, in joining us for in chat. Alex Schivler. Oh, early show. Hi. Yeah, we are recording a little bit earlier this week so that our guest doesn't have to be recording at 2 a.m. So, <laughs> so sorry for any of our regular viewers that uh, are a little bit surprised by the earlier show. Sorry, but that's not my fault. <laughs> no, no, we're, we're very glad to be at any hour. 
Yeah. yeah. And we're kind of learning that because so many of the artists that we really need to talk to it are, is over overseas that we have to be a little bit flexible with the, the showtime. Uh, but James is asking, where is it 2 a.m.? So where are you recording from, Duncan? Uh, I'm in the UK. Yes. Sunny England. Uh, <laughs> miniature heaven. Yeah, it's kind well, of yeah. mothership. Actually, um, I come from Woking. Um, mm -hmm. So obviously, yeah, it's about War of the Worlds was originally written and set. And um, yeah, that's where they produced the very first war game. It's kind of like the home oh, of wow. it. Wow. Yeah. And obviously, now Nottingham is kind of Mecca. Right. <laughs> Well, speaking of, uh, we talked about how you got into 3D printing. Um, how'd you get into gaming? Have you always been a gamer? Uh, yeah, a long, long time. Um, I, actually, in like little school, uh, someone found a old white dwarf in a secondhand like uh, shop. Yeah, I remember I've, I've had like always like also little metal dwarfs and goblins, um, mm -hmm. and, like the really, really old trolls, which were like mm -hmm. pre-Sistel miniatures. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, no, I actually fell in love. I mean, before that, I, I loved anything little, any sort of like little um, micro machines and that sort of stuff. So, of course, when me and my friends saw these little toy figures, that's it. We were hooked at like eight years old. Yeah. Um, I mean, you'd have to save up a whole lot of lunch money to get a dwarf at eight years old, though. That was that stuff ain't cheap. Yeah, it took me a while to convince my parents to get me like a couple of figures, like I think like for birthday or something. Mm -hmm. I ended up painting them um, with my mum's acrylic paints, which were like out of a tube. It did not, <laughs> did not go well. And yeah, gluing like tiny little figures together, Araldite. So I didn't have a clue what I was doing. So, oh wow! Yeah, it's great. Do you fun. still have any of those? I'm just curious. I've seen oh, a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people oh, hang oh, on to them. But I mm -hmm. went through that phase when I was sort of oh, 15, I think, where I sort of sold all my stuff. I needed to get a, a bike. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then very quickly started getting back into it. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I can definitely see in, in your, you definitely do have like an appreciation for some of the old school, um, I would say 90s era miniatures uh, kind of reflects in your art style. Is that a fair, accurate statement? Yeah, yeah. I think I've I heard that a lot from people as well, which um, I would take it as a compliment because I, I really like Oh, that absolutely. Era. It's a compliment. <laughs> Is, I love your style. You've got this like um, chunky, exaggerated style that nobody else has, and I'm and I'm I'm absolutely here for it. And you go back and forth between like really grim, dark, like these these like terrible trolls that just absolutely <laughs> just like the most horrible nightmare inducing monsters going, and then like the very next month you'll release like cute raccoon folk, and I'm like. Yes, some, finally somebody who, who speaks to me directly with awesome little halflings and then zombie frogs that give me nightmares for years. So you, you got those dwarves and stuff. Did you play, you know, 40K or did you branch out to other games? I mean, I was all into Warhammer to start with. Um, yeah. She was, I mean, I actually started working for Games Workshop like much later when I was... I think I actually started... Technically, I was 17, if I wasn't supposed to be working in the stores. Um, but yeah, so I mean, that's, a, that's the first time I actually got into 40K. So you wait, you worked in the stores like at a too young age? Is that what you said? Yeah, you're supposed to be 18 too, like uh, insurance. 
Oh, okay. How did you store. finagle that? Just because you were a good painter? I had a, I had a, a friend who's working in the stores, um, mm -hmm. and then one of the higher up management for some reason took a shining to me and said, "Yeah, okay, you can." I was only like a couple of months off, so he's like, "Yeah, fine, get him in the stores." And I, was, I just wasn't allowed to be left in the store alone. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I was only I'm, started. I'm still not allowed to be left in the stores alone. So, <laughs> <you know. laughs> but yeah, I mean. I, I, so that's when I got into 40k, probably a, a, quite a big way. Nice. What was your army? Orcs. Orcs, orcs, <laughs> yeah. huh? Love, love my orcs. So, what do you play these days? Like, what what games are like your your go to at the moment? <sighs> I don't get to play, unfortunately, very much anymore. Um, yeah. I'm working like all the hours under the sun, and I've now got a, a little eight month year old, uh, eight month baby. Oh. Keeps so me up all night. <laughs> Um, otherwise, me, me and my brother-in-laws were probably playing a lot of uh, Full Thrust and uh, Grunt's 15 mil. I don't know if you really know those. Or um, In Her Majesty's Name is another one. So it's a friend of mine actually created that one. And then Thud and Blunders, their fantasy version. So, um, Let's, What are the games like? I, I mean, sounds like they're small scales that I'm hearing. Yeah. The, um, yeah, In Her Majesty's Name and Thud and Blunder are both sort of skirmish games. They've got like, a sort of whole point system where you can kind of create whatever you want, which is obviously mm -hmm. like, really appealed to me. So yeah, oh, I can make awesome. my own stuff. Um, so, like, a lot of real indie game. stuff. Oh, sorry. Oh, what, so I said, so you like to play a lot of cool indie stuff? Yeah, yeah. Um, I might, I always... ex might explain why you're creating minis that like even though they're definitely troop style minis, they aren't necessarily analogous to the standard armies with your, your animal folks and stuff like, cause you can do it. You could feel the whole army of like mousels and stuff, which I think yeah. is so cool and so crazy, but like, there's not a lot of games that would support. And of course my brain would go to, to, um, OPR, but what, uh, what's this param you pulling up? I pulled up in Her Majesty's name, and it's got the Yeti about the Kung Fu, a British officer in a pith helmet, and I'm like, what the hell is going on in this? That's cool. Yeah, it's like a, a steampunky game with a. Uh, it's a lot of character in it. It's um, very sort of British and comical. <laughs> but well, yeah, I, I do. I enjoy D and D. Otherwise, uh, mostly mm -hmm. Pathfinder at three point five. Okay. I have played a fifth edition. Um, that, that would be the exact order of my general gaming experience. Lots of PF135, <laughs> and then I actually write stuff for PF135, and then uh, 5e is is growing as as it does, like an, yeah. a weed that cannot be stopped. This <laughs> <laughs> is probably no surprise that I'm partial to the the Pathfinder One Three Five era as well. So, oh yeah, much appreciation oh, yeah. there. I've, so, I've, go ahead. So, so I've got one of the Pathfinder 2 books. I haven't actually had a go at the, at the game yet. But I'm just still so in love with the first edition. I mean, it's not broken. So it's one of the things, because I know a lot of people right now are going through some pain over one D&D coming out. And I keep telling I them, no matter what happens, your old edition works just fine. It's okay. Yeah. It's going to be weird. I, you know somebody is going to fork there's going to be like a sword and sorcery version of 5e out there, the one true fifth edition in a few years. Oh, it's already <laughs> happening. I mean, I think with uh, like, I think of level up 5e, right, is already out there. 
Mm-hmm. And there's there's a couple others. So I think this game is is going to go full community at this point. There's not mm-hmm. it's not going to be able to be controlled. But the yeah. the real question is, what do you play currently? Then if you if you've been playing some Pathfinder, what are your characters like? That's what I want to know. Or do you DM? Um, I've never actually DM'd. Actually, no, I have done actually a long, long time ago. And I was terrible at it. Okay. That was, I was trying to. I was originally trying to get into, at it. <laughs> I was trying to get into D and D. I mean, I think it's version three. I mean, pretty three point five. Okay. Uh, but yeah, well, everybody's terrible my first time. No worries there. Well, my favourite character would be um, my Merfolk. I've got to, well, the first one. I actually got mm. to sculpt a load of um, figures for. He was a um, a merfolk um, alchemist. Okay. Uh, with a little bit of crossing into barbarian to get some extra movement. Um, so, like a bomb chucking PF Pathfinder style alchemist, or something. Uh, no, he was like a mutagen. Yeah. So I mean, so I can have sculpt a second uh, figure. So I got left here oh, for. You actually well. have those? Are those minis something you could, people can buy? I'm just curious. Did they get turned into products? Uh, the merfolk is actually free on my Gumroad. Okay. Uh, mm. See, I never do this. I never go back and look at an established awesome creator and go, well, what what do they have just kicking around for free? Because I'm always like looking at your, you know, my mini. I'm trying to find a deal and instead of paying for something that, I, you know, when there's a perfectly cool free thing out there. That's cool, though, that you, you made. So your PC is something free that people can just go download off Gumroad. Yeah. yeah I, That's sweet. I don't think I've ever released his alternate form. I've got the file somewhere. I should, yeah, dig it out and... Yeah, pop it up online for some, some, someone enjoy it. So you could turn that into a whole society, and your Patreon could have like a whole merfolk army that all like jekylls out. Doctor, yeah, that would be, that'd be pretty sweet. Did he get all like anglerfish when he mutated? Did he get like big like sharp teeth or? or... Yeah, yeah, he got the sort of sharp teeth and stuff. It's more, he's a little bit sort of crocodile, crocodilian. You know, he should, he probably should have been more anglerfish, really. I've scared the hell out of my wife. <laughs> it's one of her like biggest fears is anglerfish and viper fish. Yeah, deep water fish are freaky. They are. Right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, Param, we've lost your sound. I think the other thing that you're real famous for, especially in your early days, is dinosaurs. You made yeah. so many dinosaurs. Are you also a dino fan? Yes. Yeah. It's- Growing up, I always want to be a paleontologist. Me so too. <laughs> yeah. That was like and, the and plan listeners. for a long time. And listeners, this is important. Like a lot of people, when you say they have a dinosaur, they'll have like a T-Rex or a brontosaurus or whatever. Um, I could not like, this is like a page and a half of listed stuff and they're <laughs> all available in multiple poses. So that's like, king for any sort of gaming you don't have to deal with just the one brachiosaur there's multiple brachiosaurs hey he has a styracosaur so i'm I'm all in that was one of my favorites so how often is you it has to be really cool to be like i'm gonna play a very uncommon uh, heritage like merfolk and being able to just make exactly the model you want you have to love being an artist yes yeah yeah that is is, is really nice to, be able to do that um, how much of the stuff we see is just stuff you needed for games 
surprising amount actually <laughs> or, or, or stuff of the sort i think i might pick up a game and then so you know i'll sculpt over stuff for it and, mm-hmm. then, and then try to convince friends to play <laughs> so. um that's been harder lately for sure yeah i've got lots of a friend of me a friend of mine has been trying to get me into kings of war so i've bought all the books mm-hmm. so a lot of my stuff more recently i've been sort of thinking about what kings of war armies i might like to play and so yeah, I've been trying to do more stuff where you've got like a nice fleshed out army rather than just like you know a few figures here and there. Kings of War is a wonderful game. I love it mm-hmm. to pieces, and the, and it is a, it is another one of those games that the 3D printing community is like really rallying behind because mm-hmm. it's miniature agnostics, even at their tournaments. So you can show up with a fully 3D printed army. In fact, a lot of people do, yeah. and it's just crazy. Um, I'm fond of um, the. Uh, one of the ones I really want to build is Order of the Green Lady, which is what if Bretonia crossed with Wood Elves, but crazy, <laughs> but crazy. Yeah. Anytime you cross with Wood Elves, you automatically become crazy. Yeah. Just well, like, they used to be so tame and boring, but I, I, I'm all here for the the new era of Wood Elves for sure. Uh, it's like. I, they ride into battle alongside like earth elementals and like tree razor and, and then like a whole bunch of crazy naiads with hooks. It makes sense with like being someone like Fae like, you know, that whole mm-hmm. like, you know, the hunt type sort of feel to them, that mm-hmm. that darker sort of stealing children away element and mm-hmm. yeah, I think yeah. Yeah, I, I, I dig the unseely vibe for sure. Like mm-hmm. that's neat. Yeah. And the coolest part is like because they're all nature like you can take a for pathfinder fans or any other wargaming fans you basically get a pathfinder you can put pathfinder on your knights which basically lets you ignore difficult terrain with your charging giant knight unit which is just amazing this is a rule pathfinder not the game pathfinder to be clear right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 okay sorry when you said pathfinder like that in the context of the previous conversation i just didn't want listeners to get confused so it is a trait well, from kings of war Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It lets you ignore difficult terrain, which is amazingly good in the game all about positioning. <laughs> yeah, but <sighs> sorry for that random tangent there, Duncan. No, it's cool. I mean, <laughs> all okay. heads of random tangents. So, when you were just getting started as a biz, like you were getting into modeling stuff, you worked for GW, you were screwing around with early fifty thousand dollars three D printers. What made you make the jump? Like to hey i can model stuff and sell it to random nerds on the internet <laughs> i suppose a lot of because i was working uh freelance then at one point so i went from working in businesses and there's when the recession hit a lot of companies went under a lot of the big oh. toy making companies over here in england anyway um so i ended up sort of going freelance and working for smaller companies um, doing stuff like Steam Forge games, um, did, a, did a bit of work for Mantic actually as well. Um, and then I kind of thought, why not just like give it a pop? I started seeing more and more people getting their own 3D printers. Mm-hmm. I kind of I always for years I've been saying like this is going to change the industry. I could kind of see that change happening, so I thought, you know, might as well get in and like right at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, so you mentioned like Steamforge games and Mantic. So you made some models that they produced. Yeah. Are there any models we might be familiar with? Um, I was I suffered doing for. I think Mantic. I was working on the. Uh, it wasn't Zombie Side. It was. Walking Dead. 
Things like board games, is it Walking Dead board game? No. Okay, yeah, yeah. A Walking Dead board game. Yeah, it's, it's, the comic, yeah, it's based on the comics, wasn't it, rather than the series. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Dark Souls stuff for um, Steamforge. Ooh, that's cool. Okay. I bought that Dark Souls stuff. <laughs> I mean, I, I did, I did like, like the Mushroom People. Um, mm-hmm. It's a big old knight with like, a sword across his back. I don't actually know, like half the. the oh, Guardian Dragon. I remember that one. Mm-hmm. That's one I did. So there's a lot of the expansion nice. stuff I did. Nice. So, yeah, it's fun. I mean, yeah, the Dark Souls miniatures are beloved, so that's a great little feather to have in your cap as being part of that effort for sure. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it's good fun. I got to work with Russ Charles. He's like their head sculptor. He's a really lovely guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I ended up becoming friends as well. They're, they're like their 3D printer. So a guy called H. He did like all of their 3D printing stuff and becoming friends with him. So, uh, yeah, it's nice. He's giving me lots of advice as well about 3D printing and stuff. He's a, he's an old master at it. <laughs> and you mentioned that your earlier work, you actually des- that you were that we're looking at, you actually designed it for FDM. So I guess this was before resin printing was possible at the house. Yeah, yeah, it was, it's all done on a, a Flashforge find all my original stuff. Um, so I think it's why I've got a slightly chunkier style because I was used to trying to get sort of you know 30 mil figures printing mm-hmm. on an FDM printer. So everything ended up being scaled up a little bit and sort of um, made a little bit more chunky. Um, and there. So um, with the uh, transition from FDM to resin, mm. like. That, how how did that impact your workflow? I'm kind of curious. Like, do you, do you still want everything to work for FDM, or do you have you moved a little bit beyond that now? I've moved, definitely definitely moved beyond it because yeah, I mean everyone's got resin printers now, uh, so I'm always thinking sort of like resin first now. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's what I was wondering. Basically, probably stays with me a little bit just that sort of thinking about FDM, but um, yeah, I just. I think it, it seems like just two different sort of worlds now. If you're doing some terrain or something, I'll be thinking like FDM. But otherwise, everything mm-hmm. else, I'm just thinking resin now. You know, how am I going to add the supports to it? You know, is it going to is it going to look crisp? Mm-hmm. Um, especially now, I've got an e, I've got an Epax X10 as well. So even now, like bigger figures are so much easier on on a resin printer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you do. One of the things you are famous for is your giants, and you and I just mentioned dinosaurs and tanks. You do tend to like the big things, don't you, Duncan? Yeah. <laughs> what is it about the giant models that coming off your printer that uh, that attracts you? Because I'm most people I look at it's all focused on like little one inch human size twenty eight mil figures or thirty two mil figures. I haven't got a clue, to be honest. I don't know where it's come from. <laughs> it's like when I was, I was always more into like the smaller stuff. Um, but yes, yeah, so and more recently, yes, yeah, it's been moving more and more towards the big stuff. I think a lot of people seem to like it. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, some of the, like the big sort of titans and stuff I've been doing, obviously, you could use those for GW. And you ask like a what, 100 quid, $120 figure. At the low point, at the low point, yeah. Some of yeah. them are way more than that, even. Yeah, I love this giant. This is one that I, when you released it, I snatched it up like right away. Um, it's probably the coolest looking hill giant I've ever seen. Yeah, for people listening, it's so big. It's basically got like 
it, its armor on its tummy is a ladder. <laughs> yeah, it's huge. This this isn't D and D hill giant. It fits on a two inch square base. This is uh, you need a four inch square base easy, and it's going to have its toe sticking off the edge of it and an upright pose. With something like this, did you test print it yourself, or did you farm that out, or how did that happen? Do you just do it in all the sections yourself? That, that I test print, that was one of my um, sort of last ones I was still doing for FDM. So mm -hmm. I printed all that out. I'm, I'm actually sculpted it with FDM in mind. So I mean, if I redid it now, I'd probably add even more detailing because the resin printer can handle it. Mm -hmm. um, but that, that original, I, I, yeah, I um, printed it out in FDM. Although I've just recently... Uh, you see that? I've recently done it in, in resin. So I've re gone... Oh, Oops. Right <laughs> hey, break. We used to have it. <laughs> I used to have it. Um, James asked how tall it is. Uh, 180 millimeters, I think this one is. Big boy. It's eight inches. Yeah. So I know it's about 100, it's about 20 centimeters, 200 millimeters. Did he break? Did he break? I'll be so sorry. I did. I broke his arm off. Oh, oh so sad. I'm so what sorry. I'm so sorry. Yeah, I just I just super glued this one fairly quickly, and that super glue was going a bit gunky and old. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, actually, often I find now with uh, big prints using uh, cardboardy filler works really well. Um, just sort of put a little bit on one side, let it go a little bit tacky, and then push it together. Um, it sets really quickly, and as it sort of pushes out any of the gaps, and you can just mm -hmm. trim it away while it's still sort of um, rubbery with your scalpel. So, and it fills what kind the of filler are you talking about here? Cardboardy filler. Sorry. Hmm, this is not a product I'm familiar with. Yeah. Yeah. That sort of stuff. Huh. Body filler. It's yeah. for cars. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Have, it's almost like a two part um, mix. Mm -hmm. I yeah, Over works. here in the, in the States, we'd call it Bondo. All right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I never thought about using auto filler on my parts. That's a great idea. Hmm. I mean, originally, you used to use some model making just to like you know, fill gaps, and because it sands mm -hmm. down really nice, it's a really nice smooth finish. Mm -hmm. uh, I started finding like I put things together with it, and it'll be glued better than if it was been super glued. So I started using it as, uh, as glue as well. So, you yeah, said it it's gaps. two part activation. Does it stay good for a while once it's activated, or how does that work? Depending on how much the activator you put in it, you've got sort of 10, 20 minutes to work with it. Okay. So and, then, it's... Yeah, it's, and it goes, starts to go rubbery and then sets like stone. <laughs> huh. Awesome. So, you, what do you mod, like, you've been doing this forever. So, what did you get started modeling in? Um, and what do you use now? Uh, I started in ZBrush, actually. It's like ZBrush oh, wow. 2.5 when I first got it. Mm -hmm. So, it was. Back then, it was about 250 quid. It's about, I think it's over a grand now. <laughs> so, like, I've got lots of free upgrades. Um, <laughs> now, I was actually I was working for a company called Design Works. We did all the Doctor Who toys. Oh, um, oh cool. And, so what's yeah, that they, like, designing toys? We don't have, we've not had anybody who was from the toy industry before. Um, it's, it's, it's all right. <laughs> all right. Um, it's funny because you've got to work for like big companies, so there's always a lot mm -hmm. of backwards and forwards. So it's, it's mm -hmm. a lot more fun working for yourself because you have a design you want to do, 
you know, you just get you can get on and do it. You can show it to your patrons, whoever you know, gets a bit of feedback. But it's very different when you've got to send it off and things will go to actors and they'll sort of say, No, that's my nose doesn't look like that. And you're like, mm, wait a minute. From a scan. Is this why the dinosaurs came from? Was this just like some a project someone stiffed you on? Like Mattel was gonna do a cool <laughs> dino line and you've got them lying around anyway. Yeah, just right, that's it, I'm gonna do it myself. <laughs> um that's yeah, crazy just, um, you had to, to get the approval from actors. That's like I, I could see some people being a little sensitive about how they're portrayed. <laughs> um yeah, the company I was working for, they used to use, uh, I think it's Freeform. It's like, it had like this big old haptic arm and stuff used to use for sculpting. Oh, wow. um, and they went out to America and they started to team up with Gentle Giant. And, they, and Gentle Giant had just like all, oh, it's like a whole room full of ZBrush. So, of course, then they came back to England and went, we want to get someone interested in ZBrush. Is anyone you know, willing to give it a go? So I bought mm-hmm. a copy and started teaching myself at home in the evenings. And that's how I sort of kind of got into it. Um, and yeah, I've been using ZBrush ever since. So. Now, before the show, you said you were experimenting with Mesh Mixer and Blender now? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I started trying to muck around with like Mesh Mixer. It's free just to like kit bashing. Mm-hmm. So I kind mm-hmm. of figure it's mm-hmm. like, I absolutely adore it when you see people that take like multiple figures and make something like you know, what they want. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I've always liked kit bashing anyway. It's like, you know, get, going through your bits box is always like a big part of the hobby. And now the mm-hmm. fact you can do that digitally, it's just, you know, it blows my mind. It's wild to me that you'd be into digital kit bashing because you could just, like, your brain could just, like, imagine and make anything you ever wanted and you're still in the digital kit bashing. Yeah, well, I mean, you can't say someone just digitally kit bash your own stuff. You want to, like, make a little figure just for, like, you know, a friend or mm-hmm. something, like, a particular D&D character or something or... Mm-hmm. But also, I, 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 want, I want to see what other people can do with these programs, especially the free programs. Mm-hmm. Um, just go, I, I, I want to see more people do that sort of digital kit bashing. So I thought if I can learn a bit of that, so I can help encourage people. So it doesn't bother nice. you if people kit bash your, your models? Oh, no, I absolutely love it. Yeah, it's, that's cool. Some people you started are a little making... more sensitive about it. Sorry, sorry, Pam. Sorry. You started making a lot of your models even modular any even mm. and for a kit basher, that's gold. That means like, oh, <laughs> I can get this hand and this head and uh, I'm, I'm going to grab this Terminator file from Puppets War and then take your Kitsune Fox head and shove them into it and suddenly I've got real Space Wolves. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I heard that some people have been using like printing out the little fox heads and put them in Space Marines and stuff and yeah, <laughs> absolutely love it. Yeah, awesome. I'm glad that you, you're you all about that. Um, you definitely seem to be all about the art, too. You love doing this. I love this. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, I have to really. I, I get quite obsessed about things. So, I mean, mm-hmm. originally I started learning. I was working like 12-hour shifts and then coming home learning with like ZBrush until the early hours and then get Oof. a few hours back to work. And I've never really stopped. I, so I'll still, if my wife will let me, my, you know, my little boy, I'll, I'll work <laughs> six hours in a day just absolutely love sculpting just yeah is this your full-time gig now or are you still doing other stuff oh no this is my full-time gig yeah it has been for a while very cool that's that's awesome yeah so you also sorry go ahead no i was just gonna i was gonna start a whole thing you have a you have a probably newer topic i bet I was going to transition to you were one of the people that made the big transition over to uh, I've been talking about it for a while now. 
with the more boutique style release thing. You, 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 your Patreon is now like a small set of nice quality miniatures at five bucks a month right now. What yeah. made you decide to make that transition over there to that model? I've, well, I've seen that the industry sort of things. When I first started, there was not very many people doing this. Mm -hmm. Obviously, now the industry is getting quite like uh, saturated. And a lot of like really big companies producing just like you know uh, dozens and dozens of figures, like really high quality figures as well every month. Uh, and if their price points are ten bucks, um, I can't think. You know, I don't want to have to try to compete with them. And I started you know producing like you know, thirty figures a month plus like multi part kits. Um, and I kind of figure actually I want to change what my Patreon is. I want it to be more like just a, a small community where people can kind of. You know, buy me a litre of fuel or, you know, buy me a, a beer each month. Nice. Um, it's more, it's just more of a community. It's less about like, you know, trying to get the, the maximum money out of my patrons and more about just having that sort of uh, little community. Well, and at that smaller price point, I have no problem. Like, even if I'm not always excited about a release at five bucks, I'm like, okay, it's going to be useful. He does good stuff. And so I just leave it. I don't even consider kicking it out at the end of the month yeah where yeah. a lot of these people i have to be like okay this is a 15 dollars patreon can i can i afford to keep that this month yeah and it's it's a huge uh, loyalty thing for me that I, i'll hang on for for more there um alex has a specific question in chat uh, <laughs> alex. leagues of votan coming out uh confirmed for september release do you have old school squat models for printers uh, and if not when will they be available <laughs> Everybody is jumping on the the Votan lately. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I, I'm I'm going to really upset people. I never like squats very much. <gasps> Shots fired. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, um, yeah, I've had like sort of loads of, all my friends love obviously the dwarfs and the space dwarfs and what's not to like. But I don't know why I just never really got on with them. Mm -hmm. I might because I love the orcs so much. I don't know. <laughs> So what what about what you do sculpt? You definitely lean more towards the fantasy than the sci-fi. You said you really mm -hmm. love 40k, but you sculpt a whole lot of fantasy. Yeah. Um I'm not sure where so it's probably because Warhammer being my first love. I mm -hmm. think Warhammer became my first love from like when I was really young, my dad read um read me Lord of mm -hmm. the Rings. And of course then as soon as I got a bit older, I then read it for myself. And yeah, so I always really loved that sort of fantasy world. Mm -hmm. um, it's weird. I mean, I do also really like Mecha, mm -hmm. like Gumpler type stuff, and but it's never really sort of I'm really done any sort of sculpt. I've done a few bits of sculpting like that, but clearly you need to make fantasy, fantasy mix. Yeah. Oh, I'm here for that. <laughs> big, big, big crystal armor stuff. I, I will be your boy. Uh, <laughs> speaking of a great old things, though, have we have we mentioned the the uh, frontier in the room yet? Oh no! Right now have. you're in a big campaign. Um, yes, a big tentacle filled campaign. Tell us a little bit about your your mythos monster campaign. Um, yes, it's like a big old collection of Lovecraftian beasties. Yeah. You've got a Cthulhu that's tall enough to live up to the name, and the scariest Cthulhu I think I've ever seen because he looks half demon. And yeah. I, I just love that you've got like this little peasant woman with a bucket, just like really ticked off and walking away, like 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 he ruined her harvest or some nonsense. I think he's gonna do more than ruin her harvest. 
thing is massive. The tentacles are just kind of almost like a beard all down its front. But uh, yeah, and that I'm used that, to like uh, the GW when they they used to use that running away peasant model to show scale on all their big models, and the uh, uh, ticked off peasant girl is definitely a better vibe for that. <laughs> And then near Lahotep, there is amazing, just the spiral twisting tendrils, and it's just oh, it's so good. So you like the Cthulhu? I, yeah, I do. Um, it has my, my friend Matt from um, Tabletop Ready. He does like um, a painting service. He's actually he's actually a teacher. I gave him all my old printers for his students. Um, he's actually one who got me into Lovecraft. He gave me his like tiny little. I've still got it on my shelf somewhere actually. Um, little beat. Uh, Call of Cthulhu, um, and he's put all his little little sort of tags in all his like favourite stories, and yeah, I just absolutely devoured it. And this is like I don't know twenty years ago now. Um, there's always been something about it, like sort of cosmic horror and just the utter doom of it all. It just really appealed. The utter doom of it all really appealed. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes! That's just that's an existential horror of just you know. Inversion of like you also see humans being you know, the, the dominant predator on the planet, and all of a sudden this realization we're not even a speck of dust that there's these things so much more vast than us. Um, yeah, I really, really enjoyed that. But yeah, I've got, uh, that's my oh, yeah. let me you know, don't, don't drop that, please. Don't drop that. Digging you here for a second, hold that up yeah. again. So you you it should be all right. Did you paint uh, that, or one, did your friend paint that? Uh, I painted this one. I did ask nice. if he's uh, got any uh, places for like commissions, but unfortunately he was too busy. Mm -hmm. so, um, he's just started a new job actually with um, sort of underprivileged kids. Oh, there are the color transitions on that are amazing. Greens and purples and pinks and stuff. I, I know our listeners can't see it, but that thing's phenomenal. Hopefully, we'll get a link to it, an image of it. Nice. So you are um, still into doing the painting part of this hobby? Yeah, um, I don't get to do it as much as I, I like. I would like to. I mean, it's, it's the painting that actually got me into the hobby and everything in the first place. Um, not sure I started right. out, with, you know, painting the Doctor Who figures and stuff as well to be sent off to China. Did all the originals and all the stuff like the press releases. Mm -hmm. um so yeah it's, it's it's nice it's getting to do a bit of painting so um, what is what's your style now what's your product you mentioned that you started with like tube acrylics and that didn't go well so what's what's your painting like um so the, i use acrylics but like proper model acrylics now um <laughs> that was scale color um okay it's really like a big old box set it's, it's actually it is tubes they're kind of like going with back to my original um <laughs> They did a Kickstarter a while ago, a big box set of all their new, like, proper model colours and tubes. Um, so that's painted with those and um, contrast paints. Mm. Although the original contrast paints, I saw your programme the other day, you saying about the new ones are, are tasty. Oh, yeah, uh, the new I'm, yellows are just nuts. It's amazing. Like, I was just using it to do Thread Cream for Spelljammer, mm -hmm. and it's right here. I, I am so impressed by its power. Yeah. The uh, Imperial Fist is what it is. Mm -hmm. Not to mention seeing yellow armies coming out like all over social media now that actually look yellow. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yellow would well, like, be really tough color. Yeah. yeah. When you look, go look at any paint service or, or commission service, and they'll charge you extra if you want a yellow <laughs> model. It's true. You need yeah. so many more coats, usually. Yeah. Like, mm. uh, like I was painting uh, for my sister, I was painting up this Space Wolf, and it took like four coats just to get a yellow shoulder pad. I remember starting out, um, I was used to spray everything black, do it, just paint everything up from black Ooh. and trying to, you know, I used to put like yellow, like something, sunburst yellow straight over black, the old one. Mm. An awful green mess. This, oh my this thread green is single coat. Oops, wow. Single coat. Single coat yellow from that stuff. Yep. Blows oh. my mind. I remember we started um, for a while, a lot of people started doing pink. There's, um, I think the color was actually tintillating pink. So it'd be white, tintillating pink, and then yellow over the top of that to get the, that nice bright yellow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no need for any of that anymore. <laughs> but you could still do it with uh, pink. I've done it with the. Um, I did follow the Goobertown hobbies thing where you you start with the pink base coat and then put a white zenithal over it and then you put the yellow over top of that and it goes from bright yellow to deep orange because mm. pink turns orange with the yellow contrast paint oh. that looks glorious yeah <sighs> but no no yellow depresses me as a color so i stay away from it and the fact that it frustrates me for hours painting Wait, yellow depresses you as a color oh yeah absolutely <laughs> i can't stand the color renowned for being a very depressing color <laughs> mm-hmm. i think of like canaries and candy <laughs> where does your head go <laughs> Oh, like, oh, like seventies deco that needs to die a thousand deaths. <laughs> uh, actually, something else I found with the contrast paints because it, it, mm-hmm. it they dry quite nice and slowly. It's quite you can do a nice sort of wash over stuff and then get a uh, a makeup sponge and sort of mm-hmm. wipe it off, and you get a really oh. nice sort of extra sort of highlight on stuff. That's I what I tried that. That's a nice tentacle. trick. I used to do that with oil paints. Um, I used to like start painting a figure, spray it with gloss mm-hmm. paint to seal it all in, and then put oil paints over the top and then sort of wipe them away. Because mm-hmm. they dry so slowly, you can, you've got loads of uh, time to work with them. Nice. Yeah. Alex in chat says, This is why my craft world is Ulthway, not Leandon. <laughs> I'm sure the 40k fans understood that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not. I really so want to probably be a little deep for me. My but... 40k knowledge is is weak, y'all. <laughs> like I'll I'll chat up the old world all you want. I mean, Carl Friends and is 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 my bro, but uh, I don't know much about craft worlds. That's a good uh, game. Saying before we leave. Oh, so go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I think oh, I before we leave, a little bit, you were saying. <laughs> I was going to say, oh. this game I really like to play. I was saying before we, Kristen, go. <laughs> I was just saying before we leave the the campaign, um, mm-hmm. I just wanted to point out that we're almost to the Migo ad, and I love me some Migos. So everybody, we got six days to unlock Migos. Please help help us out. We need the Migos. <laughs> I would like the Star Spawn too, but. I'll take the Migos. Hopefully we get the star spawn as well. Anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. One of my favorite things about this campaign, though, that I think more people need to know is uh, this stupid discounts for your back catalog you can get into after you pledge in. Like, 
the mousels. I love your mousels. And you can get the whole mousel gang for 15 bucks. You can get those cool giants we were talking about for 30 bucks. Heck yeah. Okay, and it's at this point at this point that I was looking at stretch goals and I didn't actually see the discounter bundles. Mm-hmm. Damn you. <laughs> there, there goes like, some more. There's a whole $10 for a three cream Uber set. Don't you like three cream? Oh, I do. I do. And and I, I also see some sort of floating. I see a floating eyeball. So, you know, there's that too. I, I do look at <laughs> the floating eyeballs. I guess we Animal can call bundle, them. Yogurt, that's a great so choice. Being sued. Gosh, you've got so many like your back catalog is deep it like just about anything any you i i put it in the title of the episodes but like zombies tentacles and demons seem to be also features that you do well plus fish folk but i guess that goes with the tentacle thing well and it ties back to that uh you know lovecraft right yeah tentacles that's what you meant Oh, I'm under oh, caffeinated the other tonight, thing, people. You do a lot of animal folk. What's up with the, all the animal folk? Like, it's awesome. It's, it's, but, like, you're definitely one of the first places to go to if I want insert name of animal in any weapon combination I need it. It was, it was a bit of a passion project. It was just, I really liked um, a warship down and stuff when I was growing up. Like, you know, like, um, mm-hmm. like Rage Wall and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, so it's just, oh, and um, Mouse Guard as well. Comics up there. Okay. Uh, yeah, that explains the mouses, especially. Yeah. Um, that's not... actually how I found you first. Was for the for the um, the little animal folks. I I needed. Well, actually, in some chaos bases, I did get chaos mm-hmm. bases from you really early on too. But uh, yeah, the mouse guard. Um, I have a friend who's playing a mouse archer who rides an owlbear. And uh, nice. um, I got your mouse little archer and and that is the mini for that character oh brilliant you've got corgi folk yeah one of those actually <laughs> placed my friend's dog <laughs> <laughs> nice. um yeah the one with the ear, the ear down it's um i think you might have heard of him tarot model maker um he does a lot of um imperial knight stuff while we sort of add-on kits oh okay uh, and yeah he's got a, a corgi monty so that's uh, why I did the, the corgis. <laughs> Only the first person I've ever seen that has battle hedgehogs. <laughs> We've got a hedgehog in our garden as well. So um, he sometimes gets fed some cat food. So this is, and why is the mouse riding a chicken? Um, I don't really know. I don't know quite what I was thinking. I was chat to my wife about owlbears um i mean mm-hmm. kind of the conversation went on to like the idea of a chicken bear and so she was like you <laughs> chicken bear and so yeah then so i did one and i thought yeah i'll have a, a squirrel on the back a little squirrel bard why not <laughs> so um yeah i'm not sure how many people really need a chicken bear in their life but um my wife well, appreciates well, especially one squirrel bard yeah, <laughs> it's really close to what I just talked about. I don't know. There, there is a market here. There oh, there absolutely is. Yeah, a lot of my friends love love your animal folk minis for sure. And also, the the chicken bear squirrel bard is one is on the caliber of those minis, like the frost giant mammoth rider, that you 
because it exists, you need to then make an excuse to use it in your campaign. So there absolutely will be some drunk at squirrel bard appearing in my next D&D game riding a chicken bear. <laughs> James is saying the same thing. Now that I know it exists, I do. <laughs> oh. So we've talked about the past and we've talked about the present. What is the future for Duncan Shadows? What are you hoping to accomplish next? Oh, goodness knows. Sculpt more. Keep sculpting. Always sculpt until the day I die. Um, I don't think we could stop you. <laughs> I mean, one of the problems I have is I like so much stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I just, yeah, I, I want to do everything all at once. I know, I mean, really, I should, probably what I should do is concentrate, you know, on a, a, one, mm -hmm. a little niche and stick to that so everyone knows me for that thing. But um, I just want to do, do everything. I think people know you for variety, though. That's the thing I, I think of is it, I, I, literally it's like, OK, I can check this person. I can check this person or I could just go look at Duncan stuff and see like because there's so much there. And with that yeah. variety coming, you know, you got Planescape and you got Spelljammer just came out. Planescape's come out in, in, in some some months. If you want to go weird, you got an audience for weird is all I'm saying. Speaking of weird, we have a request from Alex. I'm still holding out hope that the big bird Lord of Change is coming <laughs> soon. <laughs> That's awesome. Could we make Big Bird super creepy? I mean, Big Bird's a little bit creepy anyway, isn't he? So I mean that could, could work. <laughs> Snuffleupagus could be reworked into a chaos war mammoth easy in there. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, Planescape <laughs> just got announced uh, on the nineteenth, uh Duncan, just you're aware. Awesome. Coming out for 5e slash loves the planey stuff i do i'm so excited it's gonna get uh, me back in the in the fold for sure oh, we've got a good question in chat from james do you have a recommendation for a tool that is best if you uh for a new wannabe sculptor um, so what is the what is the starter kit for i want to make a mini i would actually go with zbrush i mean the full kit of zbrush is expensive uh mm -hmm. they've got a free version so you can sort of pick that up and sort of start playing with it. Uh, and then they've got, I think it's called ZBrush Core, which is like that's the next stage up. Um, but that actually has everything you need in it to do uh, sculpting for um, 3D printing. So, uh, yeah, I'll probably go with that. And, of course, then obviously if you start you know, really getting into it, you can then buy the full version um, mm -hmm. and just you know, slowly upgrade through the, through the packages. Um, well, what about interfaces? Uh, a drawing screen, VR headset, really good mouse. Like, what? What's what are the hardware you need? I use a, a Wacom tablet. Okay. Uh, I usually use a Cintiq, um, mm -hmm. which is like a, a big touchscreen monitor. Mm -hmm. um, I actually quite like now having like a really huge monitor and the tablet because uh, it means your hands not in the way of the sculpt, so you can actually just see the see the sculpting around all the time so you actually prefer the the non-visual display tablet yeah i'm yeah. not really hard to work with so i'm impressed because I, I i have to see it when i'm like noodling with it to do stuff yeah, yeah like i'm actually podcasting on a cintiq right now but for yeah. that purpose oh that's awesome i've got it on a flex arm so like it's right here that i'm, while I'm looking at you yeah looking at you and then I can, when it's time to sculpt, I bring it down and it comes in front of me at desk level. Yeah. I mean, I just have a Cintiq, it's just like it's on the, the actual stand. So it's sat at my mm. desk. 
was, there was no other room on my desk then. Mm. Um, well, I quite like now. I've got like a big 40-inch curved screen monitor now. Ooh. And I've got in a second nice. monitor as well. Have I'm you tried on, the VR sculpting? I haven't. Um, oh, so good. You should give it a shot. It, I don't say it's going to be product, productive, but it's fun. It's so fun. <laughs> it, does, it does look pretty fun. I'll be a little bit worried my wife's going to find me just in the corner with that just <laughs> on my <laughs> never coming out of VR. <laughs> That's okay. You can sculpt a new wife. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. I've got a, my wife's a redhead. She's not having that. She'll get violent. <laughs> So we're coming up on time. Where can people find you? Where do you want, what do you want to draw their attention to? Obviously uh, on tribes on my mini factory, there's the mythos monsters campaign. Mm -hmm. Go check that out for sure. And, and support that. That's a cool way to get a whole lot of minis, especially if you then further chip in and get these stupid discounts on these uh, back catalog to go with your Cthulhu collection. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, people find me all over the place. I'm pretty much mm -hmm. everywhere. Um, obviously, yeah, like My Mini Factory, uh, Patreon, mm -hmm. got tribes on Facebook, Instagram. Um, recently started with Twitter, very, very recently. Still mm -hmm. don't understand that um, <laughs> social media. Well, Goober Town Hobbies has explained it very well. Twitter is for gathering a fatherling so you can sharpen your shiv and get it bigger. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely struggle with it too, for sure. Yeah. I mean, so I, for someone who I spend all my time on computers all day, but uh, I really struggle with technology somehow. <laughs> so social media and phones are the bane of my life. Awesome. And with that said, if you want to get in touch with us and follow more about the podcast, you can go over to printyourgames.com where you'll find all of our back episodes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, iTunes, Google Podcast, Amazon Podcast, all the places the podcasts are. I made sure it took a while to get us on all of them. What's up? I was just going to say the quick shout out if I have a sec. Go for it. Shout out. Uh, just... Uh, um... September paint September teal. It is a awareness drive hashtag paint September teal for ovarian cancer. Uh, user on TikTok, Gemis uh, Magica started it, uh, and um, it's going to be a whole mini community painting thing. Just hashtag for um, you know wherever you're at, IG wherever, uh, and just try to include teal in your 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 color scheme. Um, I'll be doing it, and I know a lot of other creators are jumping on it, so. Uh, I think it'd be a fun thing to do for community and drive some awareness of a uh, type of cancer that not a lot of people know about. Awesome. Yeah. Definitely be getting, uh, painting something for that as well. It definitely sounds uh, like a wonderful project. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Find no, us no, on printyourgames.com and everywhere else. We're on Facebook at <laughs> facebook.com slash printyourgames, Twitter at twitter.com slash printyourgames. We're over on YouTube at youtube.com slash param. Yeah, that one stands, we that one's weird. Sorry, gang. Mm. And uh, you can find us at all the other places. The best way you can help the show is by giving us a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. Or if you're watching us on the YouTubes, by subscribing to us there, giving us a like, or leaving a comment on this video. Uh, like the weird tentacle monster or how much you want the big bird lord of change. I'm Until next time, I'm Jefferson J. Thacker, also known as Param. I'm Kristen Sowards, also known as Seventh Mastery. Don't forget to use your screen protector. Mm-hmm. 
And our special guest is Duncan Shadow. Thanks, Duncan, for joining us. Thank you so much. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye.